I'm Alex Mito. And I'm James Milley. And this is The Artist Business Plan, your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs, hosted by Superfine Art Fair. Hello, business artists and art entrepreneurs. Welcome back to The Artist Business Plan. My name is Alex Mito. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Superfine Art Fair, which is the most widespread art fair for artists in the United States. As you might know, we're also a business resource for all things art, artists, and marketing of art. Today, we're broadcasting to you live on a crisp winter day here in New York City. And we're lucky to be here today with Everett Taylor. Everett Taylor is an American serial entrepreneur, marketing executive, public speaker, and digital influencer. He's the chief marketing officer for Artsy, the leading global marketplace for buying and selling art by the world's leading artists. Everett joined Artsy in 2019 from ET Enterprises, a company that he founded in 2013, where he served as the CEO. At ET Enterprises, which was the parent company of six different businesses, Everett drove 3x growth of the company during 2018 and was recognized as a Forbes 30 under 30 all-star alumni. Today, we're going to hear from Everett about how he helped Artsy redefine and optimize the way art is sold online and a lot of other stuff as well. Welcome to the show, Everett. Wow, that was a great introduction. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate that. It's, it's, it's very humbling to hear. Sometimes I hear my bio and I'm like, is that me? That's crazy. <laughs> so before we get started, we always have a bit of an icebreaker, Everett, and I want to ask you something that'll help our audience get to know the real you. What is the earliest memory that you have of art and what impact did that have on your life? Wow. So my earliest memory was feeling inadequate because I don't know if you remember the crayon box thing when you were a kid. I do. You know, I went to, I must have been like in kindergarten, first grade, something like that. But I remember that I had like the eight color crayon box, right? I saw the, you know, I saw a couple kids with like the deluxe, like 64 <laughs> crayon colors and it had the, like the crayon sharpener in the back. <laughs> It, it really showed me early on, like the inequities in art <laughs> already, you know, not having the same resources and tools as others. But that, that really sticks out to me, you know, because I felt like I couldn't be as successful as some of my peers, even though I was probably like five years old. I don't know if this is a good example, but this is really the earliest thing that I remember. I remember drawing and coloring and doing all of that stuff, but always just like, I wish I had you know, more things. And I think that piece inside of me is, has like driven me through the art industry since then when I, when I finally came into it is just wanting to make it a more fair and equitable place. That's like my first memory. Like I love to color. I love to paint as a kid. I just didn't really have access to probably a lot of things that a lot of other people had. Ever, I think that's the most unique and the most poignant answer we've ever had to that question. And Everyone has a good one. Don't get me wrong. A lot of people, it's like they went to a museum on a class trip and it's it's always you know exciting. But that's so interesting that you kind of started from that position of inequity and that kind of spurred you to fix that problem in the industry. And I think that's so exciting and it makes the bio we just read all the more relevant. I think it's awesome. So <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. So let's dive into the questions. I'm fairly certain that everyone listening has at least heard of Artsy, if not spent hours browsing the sites. I, I know I have, but could you briefly tell our listeners what Artsy does and what inspired you to join the company? 
I think you gave a great explanation of it in the beginning. We are uh, with the world's largest marketplace for discovering, buying, and selling art by the world's leading artists. And and also don't want to specify the world's leading artists because we have thousands upon thousands of artists on the platform from people that you have never heard of from all over the globe to blue chip artists. So I think that's what's so great about the platform is there's a little something for everyone. You know, I had a, someone tell me recently, they were like, whoa, you guys have works for $200, $300. And I'm like, yeah, like art does not have to be this expensive thing. And, you know, we have over 3000 gallery partners globally, thousands of artists, you know, over a million artworks you can buy on our platform. You know, people can buy work through our e-commerce platform. They can make connections to galleries and build relationships. We also have a secondary market business for collectors looking to sell their works where we can match them with buyers in our marketplace or put them in our auctions business, which has been going gangbusters. I'm, I'm so proud of Stas and Liz and all the people on our auctions team here at Artsy. This is an incredible team, man. I, I, I can't I can't stress that enough. It's, I have a smile on my face right now, really thinking about Artsy, and I feel so blessed to be a part of this team and doing something that's really making art more accessible, democratizing the space, and uh, really inspiring a lot of new people to fall in love with art every day from, you know, our editorial to our social media and et cetera. So it's, it's, it's been a great ride. And um, what really inspired me to come to Artsy is, uh, you know, I took kind of a long hiatus from like my joy of art. I felt this pressure growing up in Southside Richmond. It wasn't cool to be into theater or art. It wasn't cool to be an artsy guy. You know, I really kind of let it go. I remember in seventh grade, I got to see an art because I was like reading about Basquiat and Herring. And I was like doing all this like street art and abstract stuff. And my teacher hated it and gave me a C. So I kind of like abandoned art for those two reasons for a while. And it wasn't until later in life where I kind of really embraced it again and um, started to collecting art. And uh, I noticed that there wasn't anybody that looked like me and was young as me. I was 27 years old when I started collecting art as a young black man in LA. You know, I saw the way I would be treated when I would walk into galleries and how unwelcoming the space can be. And um, I really wanted to change that and impact that specifically for underrepresented artists. And I say that as somewhat of a double entendre because not only people of color, people of different sexual orientations that are underrepresented in the art world, but also literally underrepresented, meaning they're not represented by galleries and creating a platform to really give them exposure and, and help them in their careers and educate them. And that's when I launched a company called ArtX last year. And I ended up connecting with Artsy and their CEO, and I guess our CEO shortly after, and really realized that a lot of the dreams for democratization and accessibility I shared with Mike, who's our CEO here, it just felt good. It felt like the right place. And I told myself in 2018, I was CMO of this company called Skirt and it got acquired. I told myself that the next thing that I do, I really want it to be something I'm genuinely passionate about. That's going to be genuinely impactful. And RC is absolutely that. I feel very, very fortunate to be here. 
I actually interviewed uh, the CEO of Artsy, Mike, shortly before this became a podcast. We were doing a live cast. And it's amazing how similar your two viewpoints and also I would say my and my partner's viewpoints on democratizing the art world. And you mentioned you know, becoming a collector at 27 as a black man living in Los Angeles and some of the experiences you had going into galleries. You know, I also started collecting very young and I'm curious, and that's been a big part of the super fine mantra is kind of demystifying, you know, not just the business of selling art, but also buying it as a collector. Could you talk a little more about some of the, you know, the pushback you faced when trying to actually collect and support artists when you started doing that? I've literally remember walking into galleries and people not speaking to me or asking about artists and like, them not giving me information about those artists or giving me prices or not taking me seriously as a collector. I mean, I have this one wild story. I don't want to talk too much about it because I don't want to, you know, put anyone on blast, but <laughs> we're walking into a gallery, you know, I was interested in this particular artist and I can't say the artist because it'll give, give it away, gal- <laughs> give away the gallery. And this artist is an expensive artist, you know, and a sought after artist. You know, I walked around the gallery, was just like hoping someone would say something to me. No one said anything. And then I went up to, uh, <laughs> I went up to the, to the desk and I asked them about the artist and, um, said that I was interested. And they told me, well, they gave me some type of excuse of he wasn't going to be available, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, well, I'm really, really interested. And then they told me like, he's at a very high price point. <laughs> and I was like, well, don't think I can afford this. Like, why are you, why are you saying this? And I said, well, well, can you please put me in contact with somebody who can actually help me? And I knew who the director of the, or the owner of the gallery was or knew of them. And they took my information and they said, oh yeah, you know, he'll get back to you in the next few weeks. Now, as you probably know, through your experiences of art collecting and being in the art world, if there's a you know, a collector, you can get back to them same day. If you're you're interested in working with them, this is a person that's trying to give you their hard-earned money. And they said a few weeks. And I guess the person did actually send me over. And I guess the owner of the gallery like Googled me or something. And I got a response right away. The way I got treated after that was completely different. So those discriminatory practices and things like that. And anyone who knows me is that I'm still me to the end of, at the end of the day. And like, I'll walk in, I'll be in a hoodie or streetwear and sneakers, Yeezys or whatever. I don't try to conform to what I think people think I should be or, or how I should act. And so, and I still experience those things, but obviously being in a position that I'm in now has, has helped out quite a bit. I mean, that's crazy to hear. And I mean, I think we could do a whole nother podcast just about this topic alone. And like, you know, from both sides, like, being a collector and and having that experience, but also for artists and for galleries, like how are you missing out on this business and this support when you're, you know, by discriminating? It does, it's it's not only wrong, it's kind of ridiculous too. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that story, but it's good to know that what you're doing with Artsy and with your own companies is actually improving upon that and making it more accessible for anyone to collect art. So I want to use that as a seg actually to our next question, which is, Basically, you've been a leader in a wide range of industries, not just in the art market. So that's one of the really exciting things about having you with us here today, since the whole Superfine mantra revolves around sound business practices in art. How has your diverse business background and the leadership in your other companies influenced Artsy's ability to differentiate itself from the other art selling platforms out there? 
Look, I think that the fact that I've come into the art world with brand new eyes has been something that's been very, very helpful. I don't accept the status quo. I don't think things should be done a certain way just because that's how they've always been. And I challenge those notions, right? And I think that's been very, very helpful. Also, for me, I understand for Artsy to be where we want it to be as a company and for the art world to be where we would all like it to be, or not all of us, because we know we know how that is, but we, <laughs> we want to expand it, right? We want to make it more accessible and democratize this space. And, you know, learning in other companies that I've been in or run or, or ran marketing is it's all about expansion. It's all about bringing new customers, new users, new people, and inspiring new people to use your product, use your service, et cetera. And so I think for me, bringing that hunger of wanting to expand, wanting to innovate, wanting to really key in on the collector, because for a long time, Artsy had really served galleries in our, in, in our B2B business and our partners. And a lot of people don't understand is that the B2C side of the business, or for, for people who aren't aware of these terms listening, B2B is business to business right? So a business selling to another business or providing a service to another business and B2C is business to consumer. So a business to business would be a gallery paying a subscription to be on Artsy. Business consumer is a consumer actually buying art on our platform. That is still somewhat relatively new in the you know decade long history of Artsy. And so I came in in a great time where there's been this really large shift in really focusing on collectors and in building up, you know, that brand equity within the the collector community. And I think it's been a really, really exciting time. But I think my background and experiences and my life experiences, not just my background from all the different companies that I've run or started, it's also my life experiences. I feel like I can relate to anybody. And this is a space where a lot of people feel intimidated by. And so that core understanding of who people truly are, no matter what background they come from and how art can genuinely move people, no matter what their background, no matter what their financial situation is, I think that is something that's definitely a strength for me coming into this company and really thinking about how we expand beyond what we've always thought as the art world. Can I just say, I love that you highlighted the shift in focus to B2C traffic. And I also love that you defined it for our audience because we throw those terms around a lot on the back end, but it's so important to think that, especially you know, our artists listening here are independent businesses of their own and thinking about how to create that connection with your consumer First of all, like as an art fair owner, I know exactly what you mean because you can do all of the, you know, the selling and the support for your business clients. But if you're not driving the consumers, the collectors who buy art, it can fall a little flat. So you have to really focus on those relationships. And I think that's amazing that you guys have shifted in that direction. I, I, I really applaud you for that. To translate one of the things you said also for our audience, I think, you know, one of your strengths being empathizing with the buyer, with the client is so important. And I think whether you're, you know, an entrepreneur, C-level exec at a big company, 
or an artist selling your work, creating that empathy with your potential clients, regardless of their background or anything else is so important. A little anecdote on my side that I've seen at art fairs is when you have the galleries or the um, you know artists, they see someone come in who looks obviously wealthy and they all kind of gravitate over to that person and try to like sell to them. They think they're going to buy their art, but honestly, you have people walking past your booth, into your booth, asking questions, talking to you, developing that connection and understanding with those people, regardless of how they're dressed or anything else is so important to your actual bottom line and your sales. So I, I, I took that a little from what you said. I hope I'm not paraphrasing too much. No, no, that's great. That's exactly where I was going with that. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. So we focus on what we call the business artist mentality on this podcast and through our fairs. And you kind of got so far, but like our listeners are entrepreneurs of their own art businesses. And that's why we really love having self-made entrepreneurs on the show with us as well as successful artists. So before working with Artsy, you'd founded your own company, ET Enterprises. What are some of the keys of success that you have for starting and running your own business and how could someone apply those as an artist? Interesting. Uh, one thing that I always tell people is find something that you're genuinely passionate and knowledgeable about. For instance, ArtX, I thought about launching it a year prior to when I actually launched it, but I realized I was such a novice, and I still am, but I was such a novice in terms of the art industry and being knowledgeable about the art world. And I knew that I needed to become a lot more knowledgeable and gain a lot more insight about this industry, artists, collectors, galleries, the whole space before I really decided to venture out. And so I'm sure there's a lot of people in the art world that are super passionate about art. And that's a great thing because here's the thing. The truth of the matter is, is that sometimes it takes a very long time for your business to be successful. So you need to love what you're doing. And you need to understand that this is something that you're making a choice out of passion and love and something that you're going to wake up every day and want to do. And But you have to also add that knowledge side to it. And what I see sometimes for, like you guys said, entrepreneurs is they understand like what it is to be a creative and be an artist and et cetera, et cetera. But also you have to push yourself to learn about the business side. I, I, was, I was speaking to a friend who's an amazing young gallerist. And I told him, you understand the art world, but do you understand the fundamental things that you need to do to run a business and to effectively communicate as a business person and effectively run your business? And, you know, sometimes people don't have that. And so I really challenge you to gain that knowledge. Number two is something called product market fit. And I'm not sure if you've ever spoken about this to your audience. We have actually, yeah, we've touched on it. Okay. So for those who don't know what product market fit is, is actually having a product or service that you're providing with an actual need and fit within the market. You know, you have to really do the work to really make sure that whatever it is that you're trying to do as an entrepreneur, there's actually a fit in the market for whatever it is that you're doing. And so I encourage people to make sure that they're doing the research and getting the insights to make sure this is something that people actually want and need in the market. And the last thing that I'll say 
you have to have an amazing team, even if that amazing team is just one other person, right? I understand it's not easy scaling and 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 bringing people on, but you're only as good as your team. I, I'll say this. It sucks sometimes being like a CEO or CMO because you get so much credit for things that you didn't even touch. <laughs> it wasn't your idea, right? You might have greenlit it, but you have such talented, inspiring people that are under you, that are driving home these campaigns, that are helping these things come to life. And your team is so important. People that are going to balance you out, balance out your weakness, weaknesses, help you really scale and build these businesses. And so I've killed myself in the past trying to build companies. And I realized that you're only as strong as the people that you have around you. And so building a great team and making sure they have a reason to be invested in that team is super important. I love that. Thank you, Everett. So artists out there, it's important that you love what you do. You got to have that passion, but the intersection between that passion and the knowledge about the business side of it is what's going to really drive you towards success. It's important for any entrepreneur, any arts entrepreneur, any artist out there. And that concept of product market fit, which we've hit on a couple times here, but I think you explained it perfectly, Everett, just doing that work to make sure that there's a fit in the market for what it is you're doing. And for an artist, that could be, you know, if you have multiple styles and multiple themes that you work with, you know, checking in beyond your friend circle, because they might not be the most reliable, maybe talking to some people that might be in your collector audience about your work and seeing what themes resonate with them can really help you a great deal with that product market fit. And then the amazing team part, so important. I mean, I got that from you, Everett, in the first question. You said you were smiling as you were thinking about the the auction team at Artsy. I mean, whether you're the CMO of a company and you have a great larger team behind you, or whether you're just one person, it's your husband or wife or partner who's supporting you, having that person or that team and having them invested in what you're doing is so, so important. And And I do think that's kind of a kind of a very side note, but if you're an artist out there, you do you really should consider if you can bring someone on to do some of the things that you don't do best so you can do the things you do do best. I've said that many times and I think making sure whoever that person is, whether they're a bookkeeper or a social media person who you know posts on your behalf, but that they're invested in what you do in your art career as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, it's I think a lot of people don't understand that as an entrepreneur, this thing is your baby. No one is going to care as much as you do because they don't have the same level of investment. So you have to ask yourself as an entrepreneur, why should they care? Outside of getting a paycheck or whatever it is, why should they care about this product, this service, this company or brand, right? It's so important. You have to give them a reason to want to be invested. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. And I see a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with their first employees because they're like, why won't they stay up late like I do or, or sacrifice like I do? And it's like, have you given them a reason to? Yep. That's so important. Bring that reason into it. You know, and even just for an independent art entrepreneur, like giving someone that reason, that intrinsic motivation, it's not just a paycheck at the end of the day. You're never going to create a clone of yourself, but the closest you can get to it is someone who really believes in what they're doing. So switching gears a little bit to a more technical question, since I know that you're a marketing guy, Everett, why is data collection and SEO and some of these tools that we're using so useful? And what are some 
applicable tools for entrepreneurs to learn and utilize some of these like SEO and data collection? Yeah. So here's the thing. Consumers are more smarter than ever, especially in the art world. There's like you have one artist and like people can go to that artist directly and just hit them up on Instagram. People can go to multiple different galleries. Consumers are smarter. They, they have the internet, they have the access to the internet, and they have a wealth of information. And so it's so important for you to understand that you have to, number one, provide actual personalized experiences. Like People want to feel special. They need their ego stroke, especially in the art world, right? <laughs> uh, especially if people are spending lots of money. And so understanding the, the, the importance of personalization, of providing very great experiences to people is important. And data is going to tell you a lot of the things that you need to know. Like I remember being in marketing before, like when I first started in 2003, I was 14 years old. There was no data. We just came up with things and just tried them. We didn't have any type of attribution or accountability to what we did. <laughs> you know, consumers didn't have that same level of, of knowledge and information and, and expertise, but now they're getting so much smarter. So to be able to provide personalized experiences and be able to build the gap using data alongside of your emotional intelligence and your brand marketing and things like that, to be able to really tell great stories and be able to serve people for what they want. If someone, if you're a gallerist and you have the data that this person is into abstraction, then that's a powerful, that's a powerful thing to be able to sell works to that person or they collect these certain artists. I think that's one of the things that really powers artsy is that, that wealth of data and knowledge that we have. And then SEO for those who don't know what SEO is, search engine optimization is huge. I don't know what the statistics are anymore, but you know, most people don't make it past the first page of Google, right? And some people don't even make it to the end of the page. And so it's so important to optimize your company for SEO to be able to show up in, in results. One of the things that you'll see for like most artists and galleries, artsy is like one of the first things that pops up. You know, and we've worked really, really hard as a company to invest into SEO. And that is going to be something great for you because this is where people live. They live on the internet. They're using Google. They're searching. You want to optimize your business to do just that. And understanding also like the mobile experience and, and, and that people are experiencing your company, your brand through social media, they're experiencing it through the mobile experiences on their phone, not as much as web anymore. And so you got to keep all of these things in mind as you're building a business. In terms of tools, I mean, there's tons of tools out there. It's just about what it is that you personally need. Like the one thing I always tell people is if you're not using like an automation CRM, customer relationship management type tool to like email and send personalized emails to your audience, that should be your first stop, whether it's MailChimp or someone else or whatever you decide to use as your email service. That should be the first thing that you're doing in terms of like just automation and, and, and really engaging with your customer. So I love that you said consumers are smart and have a wealth of info. So I think a lot of times when people think about how to technically market, they think it's tricks. They think SEO are tricks or what, you know, whatnot. But really, the people at the other end of the computer are smart. They have a lot of information in front of them. You got to figure out how to reach them. 
making people feel special and personalized experiences. I mean, that's just so, so important because things are so easily accessible right now online, you have to go a little above and beyond and using data to tell you what you need to know about people. So important. And that could even be the form of, of surveying your audience, surveying your prospective audience, people that fit the demographics of who you might want to sell your art to, and then understanding how you could better personalize what you do to them. And SEO, one of my favorite topics, we've actually taught a couple classes of SEO for artists during the beginning of the pandemic. You know, there's different ways you can go about it as artists. There is a lot of space for artists to actually optimize their pages so they show up on Google search results, but also partnering with companies like Artsy and Superfine and those of us out there, not a shameless plug here, but those of us out there who have done a lot of the work to get onto those front pages, you automatically amplify yourself that way. But there are a lot of ways you can do it yourself. And I strongly encourage you to look into them. And I love, love, love that you brought up CRMs. And that's something that a lot of artists don't even think they can use. But obviously getting on a MailChimp, you know, a server to send your emails is so important. But if you can take it one step beyond that and actually use a CRM, we use Nutshell for Superfine to, to uh, communicate with our clients. Um, it's very simple. It's affordable. It's a monthly fee. I would say it's almost like having three other staff working for you. Incredible. You can amplify you know, your outreach to your clients without having to tie a string around your finger and remember, oh yeah, this guy was interested in my work last year. I should probably give him a call. It can do all that for you. Highly, highly recommend that you guys look that up. So in addition to all of this amazing marketing and business and everything that you do, you're also a philanthropist. Uh, you've started organizations that support diversity and gender equality. As an art fair, super fine that we focus on women, LGBTQ artists, and artists of color. That's an ideal that we really get behind in our DNA. Can you tell our audience more about your personal and artsy's efforts to uplift and support Black-owned galleries and Black artists, along with other, other underrepresented artists? Yeah, absolutely. I mean... What I'm doing at Artsy feels very personal to me. And uh, with the Black-owned galleries, I think it's something really, really important. We launched an initiative called Imagining the New Normal, which was curated by Mikhail Solomon, who runs um, an art fair called Prism um, in Miami, uh, which runs usually around the same time as Basel. You know, we were able to bring together Black-owned galleries on our platform and onboard new Black-owned galleries onto our platform and be able to promote them, provide exposure for them, and also promote the artists in on their rosters. And so that was a great moment because the real impact is being able to drive tangible results. If you want to help Black people, if you want to help people of color, then make an impact. Just don't do things that are performative or just makes you look good. Like a lot of the brands that were doing all of these things in the summer, what are they doing now? You know, what is that continuation? Are you waiting till Black History Month to do something and then stop doing things again? You know, we have people who aren't supportive of everyone's rights that are storming the Capitol right now. This is a crazy world. It's a crazy place. And, you know, we need to support people of color. We need to support people who don't have the same opportunities as a lot of others do. And like, that's something that I'm genuinely, genuinely passionate about. And beyond just Black-owned galleries and being able to provide exposure for woman artists and Latinx artists and artists in the Middle East and just everywhere, the 
great thing about Artsy is that we have a platform where we can really impact artists and people in the art business globally. And I believe that it's our responsibility to do so. Because if we're not going to do it, who else will? We have to lead the charge. And I'm very, very passionate about that. And I wouldn't be at here, I wouldn't be here at Artsy if I didn't feel that our team was passionate about that and was bought in on that. And that that's from Mike Stive on down. So I'm really excited for you know everything that we will continue to do. We have some even more amazing things coming out this year in 2021. So definitely be on be on the lookout. I think that's amazing, Everett. And I just want to give a little bit of context to our listeners who might be listening at some point in the future. But today is the day of the um, confirmation, the Senate and House confirming the election, and people stormed the Capitol. And it's absolutely insane. And I hope by the time you guys are listening to this, that is a distant memory and things are much more unified. But we live in a crazy world. And that that's an example of it. And I think what you said, Everett, about like, this past year, 2020, and some of the performative actions that companies take to support uh, Black businesses and Black people and just any diverse people out there versus actually making tangible efforts that you can actually see and actually make an impact long term. And I love that you guys are doing that. I think that's amazing. I mean, like I said, we interviewed Mike. I got that vibe from him very much. I get it from you. I think it's incredible what you guys are doing. And I think for everyone listening out there, whether you're an artist and art entrepreneur, maybe another art fair director, these are all such important things to keep in mind because if no one's doing it, you know, we have to do it. Well, this has been an amazing conversation, super inspiring. And we typically like to wrap things up neatly by asking you for one more top word of advice that you have for an artist out there who's getting serious about growing their own platform and building an audience who's invested in them and their work. What would that be? There's a Tupac quote that says, all good things come to those who stay true. At the end of the day, <laughs> you have to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and, and be happy with who you are, your decisions, and your life. None of that is worth it. None of the success is worth it if you're not happy and you don't have peace of mind. So always, always, in everything that you do, continue to remember why you're doing it and why you're passionate about working in this space, um, whether you're artists or you're you're working in the art business, like always keep that in mind and don't lose sight of that because it will eat you alive, you know, and you will begin to turn into someone that you don't even recognize anymore. So be good to people, stay genuine, stay true to who you are. Don't let the ups and downs of this industry you know, tear you down or, or make you lose hope, you know, because you just got to continue to push through. It's a long game. It's a marathon, like Nipsey said. So yeah, that would be my last piece of advice. Remember why you do what you do and just keep going on. I love it. To all you business artists out there today, Everett has been here with us sharing his incredible insight and experience. You're going to want to go back and take notes. If you want to connect with Everett, you can follow him at Everett on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also follow Artsy at Artsy on Instagram or visit www.artsy.net. As always, remember, we're Super Fine Art Fair on Instagram. If you want to give us a quick hello or learn more about how to apply for and exhibit at one of our upcoming fairs around the country, just drop us a line at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world. That's artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world. You had an incredible quote there, Everett, but I do also end the class with one extra quote. To continue winning the internet marketing game, your content has to be more than just brilliant. 
It has to give the people consuming that content the ability to become a better version of themselves. That's Michelle Stinson-Ross, the Managing Director of Marketing Operations at Apogee Results. Everett, it's been such a pleasure having you with us today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Everybody else, have an awesome rest of your day. Remember to stay on top of your artist business plan, get out there, stay true to yourselves, and make it happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan, a weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs brought to you by Superfine Art Fair. Hosted by Superfine CEO Alex Mito and co-founder slash professional artist James Milley, join us and leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas each week for tips, tricks, and value bombs designed to help you thrive and sell more art. For more information on applying to Superfine Art Fair, as well as recordings of this in all of our past podcasts, just visit www.superfine.world. We love to hear what you have to say, so just follow us on Instagram at superfineartfair and shoot us a message to let us know you're listening. Looking for a more personal connection or want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Just shoot us an email at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world and we'll get right back to you. That's artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world.